Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. Join me as we explore spirituality, sexuality, wellness, and the magical world around us. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. I am so excited for you to hear today's episode between myself and Jean Atman. She is a consciousness coach and quantum healer, and you're going to want to get some pencils, paper, so that you can take notes in this one because it is just chock full of information that can totally help you transform your life. We talk today about toxic relationships, and honestly, I have been in so many of those in my past. Jean herself has been in some as well. And so she has this amazing idea that toxic relationships are actually gifts. She'll change your perspective on this if you have been in toxic relationships in the past. So uh, yeah, you're going to love this one. We also talk about healing past traumas, self-limiting beliefs, making life changes with courage. We talk about overcoming stuckness and how important it is to do your inner work. Jean talks about soul contracts, and I had heard this phrase before, but never in the way she explains it. She explains it in a way that is truly transformational, so I know you're going to love that. We also talk about jealousy, core wounds, inner child work, and energy healing. See, guys, I told you this episode is chock full of goodness, and I know you're going to love it. So Jean, like I said, is a consciousness coach and quantum healer. Her unique combination of intuitive energy healing, soul coaching, and belief sculpting sets the stage for radical transformation. Her primary focus is on empowering women to heal past pain so they can finally build the life they choose. She remains fierce, Throughout her 21-year professional career, she has empowered tens of thousands of people worldwide to consciously create a beautiful life experience. This is one of my most favorite episodes I have ever done, so please, I know you're going to love it. Join me in welcoming Jean Atman to the Light Within podcast. Jean, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. So the first question I love to ask is what ignites your light within? Mm, it's interesting because it kind of fluctuates, I guess. Um, I really get super fulfilled just by watching other people thrive. That's kind of been my main um, mission, I suppose, or compelling force in my life. Always kind of showing up for other people and knowing that you can help uplift them. I always like to leave people better than where I you know, first encountered them. And I remember we were, um, I was going to a conference in Miami and there were tolls and I was with a friend of mine and, and even just just going through the tolls, I feel like every connection can be a sweet one if you create that. And um, who I get emotional even thinking about it. <laughs> and um, she says, gosh, she says, even the toll person, <laughs> she's like, you do this all the time. And I just feel like um, that just clearly makes me emotional and filled with such emotion and joy about just being able to connect deeply with mm. people and help them feel better. Ah. Oh. I love that. Oh, gosh. Am I going to be crying during this interview? Who knows, man? All right. Well, <laughs> just for those folks who might not know you or know your work, introduce yourself and the work that you give to the world. 
Yeah. So I'm Jean Atman. Um, I have had a hard time kind of defining what I do or putting it into some language that makes sense just because it's so multidimensional and we cover so much. So basically I help people come from a state of survival into thriving. So whether that's through toxic relationships, whether that's through struggle and hardship, abundance blocks, um, low self-esteem, low confidence, inability to, you know, really make it work in this dimension. There's all sorts of ways that I help people. So to define it has been really tricky. Um, But ultimately, I, you know, we all come in here with challenges and lessons to learn. That's kind of why we're here on this plane of experience, right? So we come from these places that create limiting beliefs, If we had a lot of abuse or toxicity growing up, we develop beliefs about how the world works, how relationships work, and we tend to carry those beliefs forward in our subconscious minds and don't even have awareness of those belief systems. But yet we create life based on what's contained within. So when we continue to draw on experiences that we don't like, and we keep trying to change all these external moving parts and continually feel like we're not succeeding, it's because we need to reverse engineer it and look at the place where real change can be made. So I help people discover all those little hidden parts within (laughs) so we can really see what is actually blocking you. Where can we really get the healing that you're desiring? Um, And so I help people unearth that and unpack it. Wow. Okay. So I am so excited for this interview because of all those things that you mentioned. And I'd love to hear, you know, how you found this work. Like, how did this become your life path? Yeah, it's really um, sort of, it goes hand in hand with my personal journey in great ways. Um, You know, speaking of toxic upbringings, I had a really abusive upbringing. A lot of, I grew up, you know, with narcissistic and sociopathic personality types around me. And I came in as a sensitive kid, really able to feel everybody's stuff around me. I was tuned into the outer dimensions. I would see and feel earthbounds and other spirits and entities and all kinds of things around me all the time. Um, I was always kind of privy to all that information. So I was really open (laughs) to receiving everything when I was little. And so when I'm filled with a lot of toxicity and abuse in this realm, um, it was really confusing for me. And it was just kind of, I instantly went into survival mode all the time when I was a little girl. And so as I was growing up into adulthood, I was realizing I was drawing in a lot of toxic relationships and I just kept feeling like I'm just giving and giving and giving and I'm trying to make it work and I'm trying to help people. And why do I always kind of end up in these places of of toxicity? I just couldn't understand how to bridge that gap or to connect the dots to be able to create something different. And finally, I ended up in a really, really toxic relationship. And it wasn't only um, with this narcissist. um, And I use that word, I'll just kind of backtrack a moment. Um, Narcissists, I look at as people who have a lot of really deep wounds that are in complete resistance to healing themselves. Mm -hmm. So they are, they can't see it. They won't see it. They refuse to see it wherever they're at. But what they do is they project those deep wounds onto people around them. So, and a lot of times they'll draw in empathic people, sensitive people, givers, overgivers, because um, those people are really wanting to fix people, wanting to help people, wanting to uplevel those people. So it's kind of like this, this perfect counterbalance that becomes, you know, created. 
Um, so when I found myself in that situation, I, <laughs> this man came to me with no money, no car, no income, no nothing. It was like perfect because I get to fix this person. <laughs> I get to help this person. I get to uplift him in a place that's completely detrimental and, and hardship and suffering and bring him into this amazing place. Well, I did. I elevated him tremendously through that relationship. But in the meantime, I really became a shell of a person. Mm. And the friends around me, thank God that I have such loving relationships around me because some friends came to me and they said, you know what? You used to be this bright, shining light and your presence alone could uplift people. And right now we don't even recognize you. Your light, mm. your light is so dim. It's like you're not even present within and we can't witness this anymore. So we have to take a step back from our friendship. We just can't witness you basically dying. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. And when they said that, everything came full circle because I was thinking it was just me. You know, when you're in a relationship with somebody really toxic, you get lost in it sometimes and you can't see through it. And especially if you've got a master manipulator that you're in relationship with, you start to think there's something wrong with me, you know, and you go through all these confusing parts. So when they said that, it finally gave me permission to feel what I knew was true. Mm -hmm. And I kicked him out of my life. And um, it, I just took a deep soul dive into WTF have I been doing? <laughs> what have I been drawing in and why? And how do I not do that anymore? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it really, he was my greatest teacher by far um, because these, these lessons were building up more and more and more throughout, but that one, because it was so intense and so loud, it needed to be to finally get my attention and say, what are you doing and why are you going to do that? And if you continue this, you're going to continue to draw on these types of relationships. Mm. So when I learned how to deep dive into my own stuff and uncover all those hidden pieces that were within me, I finally learned how to heal. And in my natural desire to help people, I wanted to share this with everybody. <laughs> I was like, you don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to experience this anymore. We can do all these things and help ourselves heal. And so that kind of became my mission, not only for myself, um, but to also teach others how to do that. Oh, wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, yeah, I when when we first got connected and I saw that like toxic relationships was one of the things you worked through, I was like, uh, hell yeah, I need this for myself. My best friend just got divorced from a, from someone who is very much exactly who you just explained. And so I'm like, just for her, I got to talk to Jean. So like I said, I have been, when I look back, I feel like I maybe have been in more toxic relationships than non-toxic relationships for various levels, right? Like various levels of toxicity. After I got divorced, the guy I dated immediately afterwards probably did a worse number on me than my actual ex-husband. And so, yeah, I feel like that's just something that has resonated in my life as well. So you said that he was your greatest teacher. And I've also heard you say toxic relationships can be a gift. Now, I have now grown enough to understand why I was with that man and what has been taught to me afterwards, but I would love for you to explain for maybe the folks out there who aren't noticing those things yet. Like, why is this a gift? Yeah, it really, I mean, face it, if we are comfortable <laughs> in life and our situation, we're not going to be really motivated to change. 
So we're kind of riding the current, we're doing our thing, we're, you know, trying to keep our head above water, whatever we're doing. But when you get something that's really loud, that really gets your attention, you know, it's time to make change. And sometimes we need crisis before we understand that things don't need to be this way. Mm. So the way that spirit works is they'll bring us into a situation that's slightly uncomfortable. See if we're like, okay, we don't really like that. We're going to change our trajectory. And so we travel down that road for as long as we can tolerate it. And then we throw our hands up in the air and say, we're done with this. We can't do this anymore. We're going to get out of it. So we didn't make any changes. We just abandoned the situation. The lesson denied what was happening with it. So then they send us some somebody maybe a little louder, a little more cruel, a little, you know, so it continues to build until we actually recognize that change needs to be made. And a lot of times that's why it takes crisis, um, because the universe is working for us always. And sometimes we get so stubborn and so caught up in the business of life that we forget to pay attention. <laughs> so those things are a gift because we're here to evolve. We're, we're not here to make a bunch of money and buy fancy cars and, you know, big mansions. I mean, some people think that that's, that's the goal in life. But years ago, I was in meditation and so many people are asking me what our purpose is here. And what came through so strongly was to love and to be loved, to learn properly, how to let that in and to evolve. Mm. That's why we're here having this human experience. So we can be challenged with things and choose something different for our higher good and our higher consciousness. So we go through these lessons for the purpose of evolving. If we're ignoring and rejecting and neglecting these, we're not serving our purpose. We're not on path for what we're being asked to do here in this incarnation. So when someone comes in, and there was an analogy I heard long ago, this might kind of bring things full circle. Um, I think it was Sue Mortar. I did a conference with her. She's amazing. Um, did a conference with her back in, I think it was 2001, maybe. And she said, think of, think of life and incarnation, like if you're at a bus stop, right? And you're, you're waiting to go somewhere and you start to meet these people and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm heading to earth. You know, where, where are you going? Oh my gosh, we're heading to earth too. And Oh my gosh, what do you want to do there? What do you want to see there? Oh, well, I really, I really would like to learn about forgiveness on this journey. I really just want to understand. And, and then this partner says, well, I can totally show up for you. I can do something that is unforgivable <laughs> and to see if I can help you to accomplish that. It's like, that sounds awesome. Thanks. And then we travel to earth together. <laughs> we merge and we meet. And so these gifts of these relationships really are soul contracts that force us into our growth because we forget when we incarnate why we're here. Mm. <laughs> so when you can see these things from that higher perspective, you know, then it's much easier to step into the wisdom and the lesson of it. And I love to call, I call this kind of dimension 3D in the upper realms or more, more like 5D and higher dimensionals, um, dimensional um, places. But I love to call it opposite day <laughs> because it really feels like that, you know, like somebody for your greatest good is saying, please let me help you learn forgiveness and learn self-love and learn worthiness. Oh but it God. shows up in this dimension as something completely opposite. <laughs> So it's hard to translate that sometimes unless you can take that higher perspective. <laughs> uh, WTF. Um, yeah. Like, holy shit. I've never thought of it that way at all. And now I'm just like doing a little memory book through my past. I'm like, holy shit. Yep. 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 Oh my God. Wow. Okay. 
I feel like we have to like let that pause to sink in. Um <laughs> Okay. So obviously that is an amazing situation to look at it that way. But here on earth, we still have to figure out ways to heal from those things they did to us because we can't just immediately forgive them, right? So how do you help people who have either been in toxic relationships or had, you know, toxic families around them um kind of get past that and learn to evolve? That's a really good question. Um, we do need tangible steps. And the first aspect of that is awareness. Awareness, number one, that you're in suffering. Awareness that you're not comfortable. And the validation that you don't need to stay there. So when you increase awareness, awareness is key to everything. Because a lot of us are taught and trained to ignore our body systems, to disregard them, to follow the herd, to do what's expected of us. And we fall into that trap and then we remain stuck. So having awareness that you do not need to stay there is the first step. And that's a huge one, huge, huge, huge step. So even just that, take feel that sense of relief. Like all I need to know is be aware that I don't like this. Mm-hmm. You're already on path. So then the next step is to utilize these triggers and these life experiences, excuse me, as information. And so when you can translate what's happening in your outer experience and recognize what that is pulling up within, then you can start the process of healing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to bring in a little um, shameful plug here of my limitless course. (laughs) I teach people exactly how to do that because we're all born into this rickety foundation of limiting beliefs and all these things that really are not aligned with our soul and our innate. And we try to live in these ways and we don't even realize that we're doing that. So when we can take that information and learn how to actually apply it then we can better move through these lessons. So I teach people how to do that in Limitless and build a new foundation. So let's let's use the, um, I love to use the trigger of jealousy because that's kind of an easy one. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're with a partner and you find yourself being jealous. So what the typical response is, um, I feel jealous and that means you're doing something that's making me feel bad. Mm-hmm. So then what what people typically do is say, I need you to stop doing what you're doing so I can be okay. And then there's a big fight and the other, you know, it's, it just, it never ends well because you're not actually utilizing any kind of productivity within that exchange. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you recognize, so that's, it's called a trigger, right? An emotional trigger. So when you find yourself jealous, you can say, okay, it's, I mean, it might be something that person is doing <laughs> depending on your relationship, but typically speaking, that's pulling up something on purpose. You were aligned with that person in order to trigger you. So you could get into your stuff. Mm-hmm. So you see you're jealous. Okay, so what is that pulling up in me? Oh my gosh, I maybe feel a little bit insecure. Okay, so when did you first start to feel that way? How can you learn to love yourself through that? And you start to do that inner work, then you make those changes, you no longer even draw in experiences where you need where you're needing to feel jealous mm-hmm. because you've healed that wound within. Wow. So we always try to make external changes to something that is needed internally. And that's never going to be productive. You might get little glimpses of success, but if you want real change and transformation, you've got to do your inner work. 
Mm. And so you work a lot with the inner work. And I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit more about that. I think that's such like a term that's being thrown around a lot right now. Like do your inner work, do your shadow work, do your soul work. Um, First of all, are all of those things kind of the same thing when it comes to your vocabulary? They are. They are. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll tell you too, the old paradigm of where we've been living, we have been living in the dark ages. (laughs) And there's been programs that have been piping through our energetic systems that say, you don't want to go in there. It's scary in there. You need to avoid that at all costs Mm -hmm. and expend your energy outward instead. And so that's actually been a program that have been running, has been running through. And so now even having awareness of that to say, oh, that's not even something that fits. That's not something that's supportive of my evolution. I'm going to dump that off and instead take on the belief system that I have everything I need within me to heal. Mm. Right. And so when you know that and you recognize that those shadow parts, those hidden parts, those stuffed parts are basically just pieces of you that are needing nurturing. What's scary about that? Right. You're like, oh, poor little self. You feel Mm -hmm. insecure. Come here. (laughs) Can I help you work through that? And you're like, oh, and it feels so much sweeter. Mm-hmm. And we're going through the process of learning how to love ourselves right now because we don't properly know how to do that. We've really been taught and trained away from listening to self and needs. And then people wonder, why can't I get my desires met? Why can't I get my needs met? Because we're not showing up for ourselves. And I was tuning into our conversation um, before we started just with guidance to see. And what kept coming through was your relationship with yourself will dictate every single relationship you have with other people. So a lot of people are in this really harsh inner critic about how they talk to themselves. And these are based on limiting beliefs of where we started. Mm -hmm. So for me, growing up in a toxic household, I developed these beliefs that say, oh, no, there's no room for your needs here. You don't matter. You Mm -hmm. have to keep everybody else happy and satisfied for you to feel safe. So you cannot There is no room for your needs in that equation. Everything Mm -hmm. has to be focused on other people. So if I have a need that comes up, my inner critic voice would come in and say, no, no, that's not safe. You can't (laughs) do that. You got You got to stuff that somewhere because we don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is what I grew up with. And so that's a really harsh voice. (laughs) You can't have needs. You're not allowed. You don't have permission. You're not going to be safe if you honor that. I mean, when you start to really unpack that stuff, (laughs) then it all makes such a big difference. And so when you can start to learn how that voice, that internal dialogue is affecting you, and you can always see how that voice is showing up based on what you're getting in from other relationships. So if you're being mistreated, I would absolutely look within and say, how are you speaking to yourself? Mm. Are you being kind to yourself? Are you giving yourself you know, permission to rest when you're tired? Eat when you're hungry. Stop working when you're spent. Can you allow yourself those, you know, it's not even luxuries, but those necessities. <laughs> and when you start to focus there, huge changes are made within all of your other relationship dynamics. Oh, oh my God. I know I'm going to start crying soon. Um, Wow. It made it like, it made it so perfect when you said the fact that your inner relationship is the thing that dictates all other relationships. Because for me personally, I have very few, like very few friends, right? I mean, I have some really good friends. Obviously my best friend is my, my now husband, but I am so hard on myself, so hard on myself. And I always have been like, my biggest critic is me, no matter what, like bosses who would like talk down to me were never as bad as what I was telling myself. And I'm like, okay, 
that must be why I am holding this, like, I don't know, this uh, rule against all these people to like not let them in because if I'm judging myself so hard, I must be judging them hard too. Or you think they're judging you. Yep. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So there was something about inner critic that a friend of mine shared with me long ago. And I just, I I love to laugh and I love to make light of the spiritual work because let's face it, it's intense stuff, you know? And so the more humor we can add into this and sprinkle in the better. So a friend of mine long ago, we were talking about inner critic and she, she said she named her inner critic Gladys. And no, nothing against Gladys, but it just fit. Like you think of the inner critic as something outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that can help to change it. And the inner critic basically is there to keep us safe and online. So they'll say, oh, no, no, you don't want to apply for that job because what if you fail? What if you make a fool of yourself? You better just stay here instead. Mm -hmm. So it's well-intentioned, but it comes across sometimes, you know, based on fear and to keep you small. And so, you know, but if you can see it kind of outside of yourself, you can say to that little nosy relative, (laughs) you know, to say, Gladys, I appreciate you, but I'm good. And you can start to deflect that. So those Mm -hmm. are the things we want to deflect instead of the internal feelings that are trying to surface. Mm -hmm. So we really do need to make some, some adjustments in how we, how we (laughs) um, interact with ourselves. (laughs) And I love the whole idea of naming the inner critic. I've heard that before. I've also heard um, in a completely other idea of naming like your inner, um, when you do sex work or when you do like work, work on yourself to try to like boost your libido, almost having like an alter ego that you can talk to that person and let her out or him out. So I love that. And I also love the whole idea of talking to your inner self, almost like your inner child in this sweet way. To me, what has helped is almost like talking to myself as if I'm my pet. Like I talk to my dogs because, you know, there aren't a lot of children in my life. I don't have children. So it's like that part was always kind of like this weird division. And I've been recently doing a lot of work on my inner child and also realizing that when I think of inner child work in my brain, it's like the five or six-year-old Leslie, right? But what I've realized is the 18-year-old Leslie was still a, a past version of where I am right now. So it can still kind of qualify as this inner child. Um and when I, when I got over that block, like I used to think, oh, well, nothing really happened to me when I was young. So like, why am I having these ideas? And then I realized what was going on with me in my late teens, early twenties. And I'm like, oh, well, that's still technically the inner child of your, your current self, since it's like the younger version of you. Mm-hmm. It is. And typically, you know, you can travel back. Like I do timeline work with my private clients. So our main focus, and you can apply this in your meditations, is to go back to where that first began of your Mm -hmm. earliest memory of that thing and start there. And when you heal that core wound, what happens is when we have a a core wound, we, it kind of gets implanted or blocked, creates a block in our energetic field. And then everything that resembles that kind of get, gets compounded on top of it. So that is getting louder and louder and louder and louder and louder (laughs) as we go forward. Because when we're little, we can't process how to heal that stuff. We don't even understand that it needs healing. It just becomes normalized, you know? So until things get really loud and uncomfortable later in life when we can, you know, then we start to unpack that stuff. But when you recognize that core and you apply healing there, 
think of also bringing that healing energy forward throughout the whole timeline Mm -hmm. up into the now moment. Mm -hmm. And that way you start to also clear those compounded wounds on top of that. And that extra intention can make huge differences in your frequency now. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I haven't heard it explained like a core wound. I've heard a lot of people talk about it as like past trauma. And for me, this whole idea of a core wound is way more easy to like comprehend and think back to when I, when I come from a place that I wouldn't identify a lot of the things that I've gone through as, as trauma. So are there core wounds that people in the collective kind of share, like is scarcity a core wound is um, like, so what are some of these core wounds that people might be able to then identify in themselves? Right. Well, this it's it's kind of complex. So I'll see if I can simplify. Um, so we have wounds from previous lifetimes, depending on your beliefs. We have wounds from our ancestry and our lineage that can be passed down through our DNA. We have core wounds, even if you're on the playground and your best friend says, I want to go play with this person today. It can instantly, you know, plug in as a rejection wound. Mm-hmm. So it can be something minor, you know, all of those, those kind of stagnancies within the field affect our natural flow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have this innate energy about us, excuse me, <clears throat> that connects us to earth and source that it contains all of our rights, the right to be here, the right to be heard, the right to feel, the right to express all these things. And anything that comes in that causes disruptions of that will then affect how we see everything else from that point forward. Mm -hmm. So that's why inner child work is so important. Um, And it can feel overwhelming to think, I don't even know how many wounds I have. How do I access all this stuff? Like what from my ancestors, from things I don't remember when I was a kid, what if I came in here with past life stuff? How do you heal that stuff? So that's why for me, energy healing is kind of a a great access point to all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So what I teach people, um, I do a lot of clearing work, kind of the heavy lifting sometimes for people that want support, but my ultimate goal at being kind of a teacher at heart is to help people empower themselves so they can understand how to do this work. Mm. And so we always kind of know how we feel, right? If you tune in, not always, I won't say, because some of us have really been programmed to, you can't, it's not safe to feel. Yeah. So I encourage people to work on feeling their feelings And if something comes in that triggers you, that comes through as emotion, Mm -hmm. that's information. And so you might not understand where it came from, how long it's been with you, you know, all of those inner workings, but you do know where you feel it in your body. Mm -hmm. So use that as information. So let's say you have a wound that comes in and you feel it right in your heart space Mm -hmm. and you kind of feel some heaviness or some disturbance. So let's move that out. <clears throat> so if you know how to how to do you know energy healing for yourself, you can apply that. Even just taking your hands and let's say if it's across you know your heart space, moving the energy with intention. Just think about raking through your field and just starting to clear through that block and that energetic stagnancy until you feel better. And you can feel when oh all that feels a little bit lighter. The main goal is just to remove the obstacle. So you can continue to create flow in your field. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, and when you start to recognize that really helped me feel better in this moment, also know that that has changed your frequency from that point forward. Mm 
So when you move the energy, the energy is attached to emotion, to thoughts, to feelings, all of those things are contained within the energy. When you move that, you're already clearing through some of that trigger, some of the old wound. And you don't even need to have that conscious awareness of where it came from, Mm -hmm. because our minds (laughs) can really get in the way of all kinds of things. How do we make sense of this? What do we need to know about this? What do we need to understand? And we get so caught up in our heads that we forget to feel. And that's where we really make the change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're kind of working through a couple different systems when you're doing that. But to simplify, that's definitely the easiest way. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly identify with that idea of being in your head and forgetting to feel it. Like that's kind of what I was doing in my late teens, early 20s. And now only recently have I found these tools, like you're saying, kind of like moving the energy. Um, I really like breath work to like breathe into the space and meditation as well. One thing though, I have really been using through this pandemic is rage work. So, um, and I make my husband do it too. He's starting his own business. He's got feelings of stuckness and I'm starting my own too. So there's a lot of stuckness going on in this house and we just have times where I'm like, yell it into the pillow and punch the pillow and get it out. And, or, or like, there's this thing that is explained. I don't know if it's called somatic shaking, but like you shake your whole body. And it's like when you see a dog and we have three dogs, when they <laughs> have like a, not really a near death experience, when they do something that scares them or they're get they, they fight with another dog, they'll do this thing where they're like shake all their whole body, like from their tip of their nose, all the way to their tail, like the whole thing just kind of vibrates off. And I've heard that that's also really good to like get the energy moving. Yes, completely. If you witness, um, a child, um, there was this little boy, I was walking into an appointment and this little boy totally wiped it on his bike. I mean, this little guy, he was maybe four years old by himself. I was like, where's your mom? But he, he wiped it. I ran over to him immediately and he was just trembling. Like if you ever see a child who gets hurt or, or a pet, especially their innate response is to shake off that trauma. As adults, when we have trauma, we don't, we're like, oh, we can't be, sh-. we have to hold and we get tracked into that pain and it gets stuck in the body mm-hmm. because we've gotten away from our natural instincts. <laughs> but yeah, so I love that feeling of being able to shake things now. And that actually, I posted something about that a couple of weeks ago because there's so much energy happening right now within this ascension process. There's so <laughs> much going on. It's intense and we to the point where we cannot mentally be present with all of it just mm-hmm. because there's such a huge collective purge right now. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, move your body, shake, dance, have sex. Anything that moves energy right now is your best friend. <laughs> so I was finding that I posted to is like, shake your extremities, shake shimmy, you know, just, and then just do that until you feel better and then sit and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I feel a lot better. I feel more emotionally balanced, you know, so things like that right now are extremely effective. Mm. So let's move on and talk a little bit more about the feelings of stuckness and how they kind of relate to self-limiting beliefs. I'd already mentioned like my husband's starting his own business. I'm moving into starting mine. And a lot of my friends are in these life changes that, like you said, probably coincide a little bit with what is happening in the collective. Like we are just in this massive shifting, uh, area right now. So when it comes to like the feelings of stuckness, how can we kind of move past those things? Yeah, that's a really good question. (laughs) So many people are in that place right now because we really are 
in transition. Okay. So if you think about, I know you said you don't have kids, but like if, if a woman is in labor and the, the contractions are building and building and building, there is a point of transition before kind of passive, you know, waiting within the contractions and the ability to actively work with it and push. There's a transition and it is by far the most uncomfortable <laughs> point in labor. And you, and that's the point where you think, I can't do this anymore. I, I just can't do this anymore. And you have no choice but to do it. <laughs> you have to do that. But it is by far the most intense and so we apply that to the transitions that we are all in of life right now. <laughs> it's intense. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be comfortable. And so to know that going in, I don't, I'm not supposed to feel comfortable and that's okay. It's like, whew, that kind of offers some relief, mm -hmm. right? Because we are exactly where we're supposed to be. So we can start to let that pressure out and we can start mm. to breathe into that experience and know that this is purposeful and we're meant to be there and we're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And we are okay. Right. So that's kind of the first step in getting comfortable within the discomfort. The second thing is the belief system that you're stuck <laughs> <sighs> because so much resistance can come from, I should be somewhere different than where I am. I should, all the shoulds, they should, oh. they say, don't should all over yourself. Right. <laughs> So when you think that you should be somewhere different, of course, you're going to feel stuck. Mm -hmm. And so challenge what you think you are needing or where you're, you know, where you think you should be and sit with where you are. Can you find peace in the present moment? Because if you are doing any sort of inner reflection or making any movements, you're on path. Mm. And so we're focusing on the destination you know, but we're not focusing on the journey. And I know that's such a cliche yes. thing, but it's oh my so God. powerful, yeah. <laughs> you know? So if you can focus on this now moment and say, what can I do to create peace right now? What can I do to feel good now? Does working in this direction feel good to me right now? Yes. Perfect. Take a step. If it doesn't, then sit and pause for a moment and see what does feel good. Because I guarantee you the energy we're moving into does not support working incessantly, forcing through feelings that we know better, mm -hmm. um, doing things that are not supportive of our greatest good. <clears throat> this new energy will not support that. Mm -hmm. So if that's how you've always been living and you're trying to apply that now, it's not going to be effective for you and you're going to get burnt out and exhausted. Mm. So right now the work is the inner work, because we cannot move forward effectively when we are in such transition, because we don't know the path hasn't been laid out yet. <laughs> so think about you're spinning in place. You're like, where do I go? What do I do? What am I supposed to do? What am I? And you're trying to create something and you're trying to pull the old energy from the past forward with you, which is not productive. Mm -hmm. So you're basically just spinning in place right now. Yeah. So noticing you're doing that and saying, I am going to choose not to do that. <laughs> and instead I'm going to sit and I'm going to feel what feels good. And I'm only going to do those things. And mm. when you can commit to yourself, you're moving through several programs. You're learning how to love yourself in deeper ways. You're learning how to honor your needs. You're learning to get in touch with your feelings. You are taking those moments for yourself to really do the inner reflection that is being asked of us right now. And you're getting in touch with where you're ultimately being led. Mm -hmm. It's such a productive thing to be in the pause 
And we're, we're like, if we're not doing things all the time, we're not being productive. That's totally counterproductive right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so be in the pause and I will guarantee you, it will be uncomfortable when you first start because you're challenging all those belief systems that say, yeah. if I don't rally right now, if I don't work 16 hours a day, we're going to fail. This is going to fall apart. It, all of those things are going to surface and you get to see, is this working for me or do I need to unpack it and dump it off? So recognize too, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, get comfortable within that and challenge all that old stuff that's coming up right now, because that's the work. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like it's interesting because this pandemic kind of forced a lot of people to do the pause. Right. And we've got all these like, um, these phrases that have come out, like, uh, what is, there's this one that I keep hearing. It's like the great resignation and like all these people who are leaving these, these past jobs that just weren't fulfilling them anymore. Some of them because they got fired, some of them because they, you know, did have this awareness of like, I want to do something else. And it's interesting because for me personally, I feel like the pandemic last year specifically, like 2020 and 2021 are so much different energy for me, right? Like it just feels way different. 2020 was almost like this complete, like you had to pause because there was literally nothing else you could do. And now 2021 feels worse. Like it feels worse in some ways. Like, how is that freaking possible that like we had a global pandemic and now damn 2021 is fucking worse than 2020. And I think it's because when you think about what you're saying, we had that pause and now it's like, we're forced to move into these other things. And it does feel so uncomfortable. And then you also have all the people who are like holding on to the previous way, like by the skin of their teeth. Like they are not letting this go. They're causing derision online. I work in news. We're apparently public enemy number one. And it's just like all this shit, right? And so 2021 has just been for me personally, a time of up leveling for sure, but also a time of like complete confusion uh, feelings of stuckness, feelings of overwhelm, feelings like, oh my God, what in the hell does the future hold? So all of that is to say, how do we create new beliefs going forward when we have no idea what's going to happen? That is a really good question. And <laughs> it's so interesting because the theme seems to be the inner work is where it's at <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. So all of us are sort of, as we're up-leveling, think about like an elevation of consciousness, right? So when you have that opening, you're now connecting with the upper realms in greater ways, which is activating our gifts. And also within this ascension process, we know we're all one. So we're starting to feel everyone at the same Mm -hmm. time as well. We're starting to feel into the collective energy in more complete ways. So when you're feeling all the chaos and the ones that are digging their heels in and trying to grip onto the old, and then you're feeling those that are moving forward and free and living into the, you know, the new earth energy. And you're like, what, where do I fit into all this? You're Mm -hmm. feeling all of it because you're tapping into the collective consciousness energy. Okay. So the easiest way to do that again is go within Stop trying to live for other people's expectations. Stop trying to match people where they are. Stop trying to figure out, well, that worked for that person, so I need to do it in that way. None of that is applicable right now. If we go within, get in touch with your feelings, you will then know how to move forward within yourself. So that cleans things up a lot. Mm -hmm. And so how do you get into that place, right? So we're in our minds a lot. And we see, okay, so that's working for that person. We're supposed to be doing this. Oh my gosh, they're moving that way. We're supposed to do that too. It's all this head stuff of ego, 
right? And the shoulds again. So if you come and think about even visualizing the energy of all the spiraling thoughts around your head, it's kind of uncomfortable when you can see that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So sink down into your heart space, just start to get familiar with that place, because that is your connection to your higher self and your true guidance system, your intuition. And so when you can come into that space and just sit there for a little bit, reconnect with intention and then say, what feels good and moving forward? What's the best thing for me? What's for my highest good? And honor that and then see what happens. Because when you're truly on path of honoring yourself, things come easy. And so when you start to recognize, oh my gosh, all I have to do is kind of come back in and sit with myself and work through my stuff. And then all of a sudden this pathway magically appears. It's, it's kind of like sometimes you have to take a leap of faith. And to know if I stop the insanity of working incessantly and pause within that moment, like we talked about, all of a sudden this path starts to open for you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> well, of course you didn't because you were too busy spinning out, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So taking that leap of faith to trust in yourself, get to know yourself, and then let the path open for you. Because we cannot create in a place where we're unpacking and decongesting everything yet. It's kind of like, you know, when a twister comes through and everything is just, you know, we're in the midst of the twister. Mm -hmm. everything is all over the place. So we need to, you know, continue to clean stuff up and see what is left that is actually worth salvaging. Because a lot of the old stuff isn't, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just a massive, massive cleanup right now. And so I kind of hear what you're saying is that, you know, doing your inner work right now might feel like you're in the twister because there's so much stuff going around when you're actually dealing with it all. And so if you can't see the path at this very moment, like that's okay, you're going to get there as long as you continue to like trust your inner self and, and tune into, you know, your heart space and your high guidance. And do you think... Well, for me, one reason why it is very overwhelming to do some of this work is the fact that it feels like it'll never end. Like, do you, right? Like, I'm like, oh my God, this shit's going to be me doing this forever. And is that the case? Do we somehow get okay with that after we start doing it for a while? Or is there a way to be like more healed or like, is this process going to end? You know, it's such a good question. I have asked so many times about that because I'm like, seriously, this is like a full-time job with overtime all the time. And then you expect me to function and do other mm -hmm. things besides this. It's a lot. So I feel you. And I do think it comes back to the reason why we're here yeah. is That's to true. do the work. <laughs> That's why we're here. So when you come in, it could, because we think, okay, once we tweak this thing, then we can finally move on and everything will be fine. And we could tweak that one thing. And we're always looking for that one thing to make it all okay. Right. But if we just think like having a human experience is supposed to be challenging, but it's also supposed to be enjoyable and fun. And so when these things come in, go, oh my gosh, there's another freaking layer I have to move through <laughs> or, oh my gosh, I get to move through something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like that perception shift can be huge. So when you think of it as I get to play in this energy now and see what I can create, and then I get to see how synchronicities come in to reflect that. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Mm. It can be enjoyable, <laughs> but we can, we have, we're kind of applying those old principles of it has to be hard work. It has to suck. We have yeah, to hate yeah. what we're doing in order to succeed, like drop off all those old programs. They're not serving you. Think that work can be fun. Inner work can be fun. 
evolving can be fun. Start to play with those belief systems and then see how life can be different. Because I mean, we're in it for the long haul. This is this is our job here. This is our work here. And as long as we're doing that work, it's supported in huge ways. And, you know, to kind of connect those upper realms and the upper work into this dimension, that, that seems to be my work in this lifetime. I'm like, how do you get both to work at once? Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to kind of maneuver and see what happens when. And um, so I think it's just, you know, depending on what your lessons are in this lifetime, different aspects of your experience will be activated, you know, kind mm-hmm. of as you move. Um, and also think of it that soul work is not linear. It's not like there is even a destination. It's like this big, beautiful spiral that we continue to activate this program. And then we move into something different. And then we come sort of back around and we're activating a deeper part of that program. And, you know, so once you kind of get comfortable with, all right, the path is to evolve. And I get to continue to learn deeper things about myself each day and about other people each day. I mean, it's like a fascinating playground that's never ending. <laughs> You know, it can be fun. <laughs> so I think it's like to have a healthy perception shift is super helpful, especially in these times. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned earlier you have this course, Limitless. How can people work with you and how can they connect with you? Yeah, um, my website, jeanatman.com is the best place to connect. You can find um, about my work there as well as other you know social media channels and things that I share information on. Um, but Limitless has been an amazing journey for people because it really does break down all of those systems of how we're in our own way. We get into the limiting beliefs, the triggers, the inner critic, um, and we just re- build a whole new foundation of something that's really sturdy and that actually aligns with the innate self. And then we get into things like abundance blocks and love and why we're drawing in those things that we don't want based on the old foundation. So once you establish a new foundation, um, it's much easier to grow into those other aspects that make life just a lot sweeter here. (laughs) So you can find that on there as well. And is it a self-paced course or is it something that you kind of like open periodically through the year? Yeah, I've actually developed it into a self-study now. Um, and I might at different points throughout the year offer it as a guided journey. Um, it just kind of depends on what the need is, but I do offer a private community that comes with that group. So they get weekly uh, kind of how to navigate the cosmic weather, what's happening this week, how to apply the work this week. Um, I'm there to answer questions and we'll do live calls from time to time there too. So um, I am present with the group, of course, because I love to watch people thrive. So I like to be a part of that. <laughs> of course. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we go? Um, I know we talked about a lot of big concepts today. And I think to kind of wrap it all up, because I love to simplify things to make things accessible, because let's face it, we don't like to do things that are hard. <laughs> um, I think the main focus right now, if people were saying, what's the one thing that I can take away from this is to really get in touch with your feelings and honor those things. Because the more you can love yourself and have patience and acceptance for self, the more life works around you. And it sort of dominoes out to all kinds of things. So the work really is right now um, honoring self. Awesome. Jean, thank you so much for speaking with me today. This was beautiful. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. (laughs) Mm, I 
loved that conversation with Jean. I felt like everything she said just spoke to my soul, and I hope you guys got so much out of that as well. You can connect with Jean on her website and social media. I will put links to that in the show notes below. And that Limitless course, like she mentioned, we have a special link for you in the show notes as well if you're interested in checking that out for yourself. Connect with me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin and at the Light Within Podcast. You can also shoot me an email at the Light Within Podcast at gmail.com. Continue supporting this podcast by downloading it, rating it, reviewing it, and share this one with someone you love, especially if you got something special out of that. I have so many friends I'm going to be sending this one to myself. Remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time.